Storehouse Dallas. Um, okay, so this is called step one, the oil of intimacy. And so I want to I wanna talk about uh, what step one is. Step one is the first commandment, that we would love God with our whole hearts, our whole minds, all of our emotions, which is our whole soul. And so everything that was, is within us, we get into alignment and we give it 100%. Who are the 100 percenters out there? Who are the 100 percenters? Have you ever tried to give him 99.9%? And you're like, wow, this is so hard. But if you just take that 0.01% over and you put it in back into the kingdom and you give him everything, I'll tell you all of a sudden, you hit the oily place, man. You hit, you start all of a sudden, everything gets oiled and you start going and it gets easy. My yoke is easy. My burden is light. And I never really believed that because it was like, wow, I feel like I fell out of the top branch of a tree and I'm hitting every branch on the way down. Bam, bam. You know, kind of like Winnie the Pooh in that. Okay. Anyway, when he was going after the honey. But that's kind of how I felt. You know, you're like, uh, 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 and it hurts. But then I finally got to a place where I said, oh, man. I'm doing it wrong. What you said all along is right. And so I want to share that with you. So your first commandment, you basically give it all. And so I want you to turn in your Bibles um, because I want to teach you about oil this morning and how to get oil and the importance of oil. Oil is basically romance. Oil is basically love. Oil is basically a heart that is unbridled. The Lord showed me, I asked him this week, I said, Lord, I was driving to, to take my dad. I was driving to Mineola to take my dad to the doctor. And on the way, I just started crying. And, um, and I just had this thing in me that was this holy unsatisfaction. I'm totally unsatisfied with where I am. Um, and I want more. And so I'm crying out, and I, and I said, I want more. I, wanna, I don't want to hold anything back, you know? I don't want to have, I want to have unbridled hunger, and I want to have unbridled thirst, and I want to have an unbridled love, you know? And, and I'm crying, and, and he shows me this picture of, of what that looks like. And he said, you know, I, he showed me a picture of a, of a stallion running wild, a stallion running wild. Have you ever seen the glory and the beauty and the majesty of what it looks like to see a stallion in the wild running with this total unabandoned, unabashed joy because the stallion's doing what it was created to do by God. And then you look at a stallion who's bridled, managed, held back, and even though it's running, it's running while it's being managed. And I feel like the Lord is saying to storehouse, I feel like the Lord is saying to the bride right now, take off your bridle, throw it off. I'm giving you permission to lay it all down and to love me in that way. So you have these 10 virgins in Matthew 
And I, I don't want to go there, but I just want to tell you the story. So you've got the five wise virgins and you've got the five foolish virgins. When he talks about virgins, he's speaking to the church. And so all of these people are in the church. They're all believers. But he said that there are five of them, half of them, 50% of the church that are unwise. They're believers. But they don't have oil. They don't have the oil of intimacy. They have not chosen the good part. They have not given themselves to that unbridled place in God where they hold nothing back. And that time when they're in that secret place and they're letting it go and letting it go and letting it go and they're letting the love of God transform their hearts and they're being undone by that sweet, small voice that knows who you are. Jesus is speaking to the condition of the church during the time of trouble that will come upon the whole earth before his return. And he's saying that there are those in the body of Christ that do not have the oil and will not enter in behind the open door. And what's interesting is that the door is open for those who choose to go away with him. Listening for the living word. It says that great darkness will cover the earth and deep darkness the people. But there will be a company of people, those oily ones who will arise and shine in the midst of the darkness and that all nations will be drawn to your the, the, the rising of the light that is within you. Well, I don't know about you, but I... It's a little hard to get a match to light on an unoily lamp. No oil, no light. So in that hour, who will have the word of the Lord? What are they coming to you for? They're not coming to you so you can... Uh, preach a dead gospel or quote scripture... They're coming to you because you have the word of the Lord and the wisdom of heaven that they so desperately need in that hour. And the things that you say to them is so weighted with oil that it pierces through everything and it hits the mark in their heart, which causes them to be undone. And they say, I have to have what you have. So turn in your Bibles. I want to talk about the oil of intimacy at Bethany. Turn in your Bibles to uh, Luke chapter 10. And we're going to read starting in verse 38. Luke chapter 10, verse 38. Verse 38. Now it happened as they went that Jesus, he, 
entered a certain village, and a certain woman named Martha welcomed him into her house. And she had a sister called Mary, who also sat at Jesus' feet and heard his word. So she sat at his feet listening for what? The word. She's listening for his word. But Martha was distracted and with much serving, and she approached him saying, Lord, do you not care that my sister has left me to serve alone? Therefore, tell her to help me. And Jesus answered and said to her, Martha, Martha, you are worried and troubled about many things, but one thing is needed, and Mary has chosen that good part which will not be taken from her. So he's saying to her, you've got these two virgins You've got this, these two people, these two conditions of believers in the church. You've got the workers and you've got the lovers. And he's saying to her, you know, you can always tell the fruit of a worker because she's going to be worried and troubled. And so her life, she's going about her life, and the fruit of her living she spends a lot of her time worried and troubled. But you notice that Mary, she's not worried about anything, is she? Why? What's happening to her? She's getting bathed in oil. She's getting bathed in the words of the one who she loves. And those words are causing her heart to be comforted, to fall in love. And, you know, it's interesting when you're in love, you're not in fear. It's interesting when, when you know that you're loved, you don't get scared. When you know that you're loved, like with John, man, I know that man loves me. I am so confident in his love for me that I fully trust him 100%. There's never a day goes by when I don't 100% trust his love and trust his stewardship over my life and over my family because I hear his voice. And it's the same with the Lord. And he says this about Mary. She has chosen Martha, Martha, Martha. She has chosen the one thing that is needed. And it, and it is the good part, and it won't be taken away. And so he's basically referring to Psalm 27. He's referring to Psalm 27, um, verse 4, where he says... This, David said this, one thing I have desired of the Lord that I will seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire upon his temple. So Mary has a one thing heart and a one thing desire. And that's the good part and it won't be taken from her. And I want to tell you that there is a first appearance principle in the word. I don't know if you guys have heard about that, but wherever it appears in the word is really the place where the, the most purest definition of that word is. So if you look at the word, the house of the Lord or the house of God, 
It first appeared in Genesis 28, verses 12 and 17, where Jacob was having an encounter with the Lord, and he goes into a dream, and he sees in verse 12, you don't have to turn there, then he dreamed, and behold, a ladder was set up on the earth, and its top reached heaven, and there were angels of God who were ascending and descending on it. And then he goes on and he said, how awesome is this place? This is none other than the house of God. And this is the gate or the door of heaven. And so Jesus is talking to Martha about Mary and he's saying, she's discovered the one thing where angels will ascend and descend upon her because they're ascending upon me. And when Jesus comes and lives on the inside of you, guess what? The ascending and descending doesn't stop. The ascending and descending happens as you engage and gaze with on him and love on him and minister to him and worship him. And all of a sudden, the door is open to heaven and angels begin to ascend and descend on you. You are the house of God. You are the dwelling place of God. This is the very uh, purpose of why God came, to create a dwelling place and a place for him to reside, which is on the inside of you. But let me tell you what. If you've got a no vacancy sign out, the Lord's going to pass you by. He's going to pass you by. He's going to be like, well, I'd really like to stay, but obviously I can't. So I need you to hold still so you and I can have a conversation. Amen? All right. I want you to look at uh, turning your Bibles to John chapter 11. So Mary and Martha are having this encounter. Uh, John chapter 11. Mary and Martha are having this encounter, and so... There's just been kind of a, uh, Jesus himself has kind of defined something there. Oh, I'm in Luke. No wonder I can't find it. John chapter 11, verse 1. All right, I'm going to take you through this whole um, scenario and this whole story. So this is about the death of Lazarus. Um, we're going to start in verse 1. Chapter 11, verse 1. Now a certain man was sick, Lazarus of Bethany, the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with the fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair, whose brother Lazarus was sick. So John is referring back to the Mary who, who took her the costly oil. She took the oil of spikenard, which is a fragrant oil. She pours it on his feet and she anoints his head with it. She wipes it with her hair. Okay, so she takes everything that she has that is valuable, that's about one year's worth of salary. And I want each one of you to think what that would mean for you. 
that she was so undone by the words of this man and sitting at his feet. He's pouring the oil of his words and his love over her, which causes a response from her, which is, I have to give you everything that I have. I have to give you my oil, oil for oil, love for love. I hold nothing back but I give it all to you. And it was so offensive when you do this and you begin to really pursue the Lord in the place of prayer and you begin to have a wholehearted affection, first commandment love, you're going to begin to offend the people around you. Because they're like, why this wastefulness? You could be making yourself rich. You could use that money for an investment. We could use that money for other things. How about the poor? Why would you pour all of this out on this man? Why would you give him so much of your love and your life and your resources? Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he who you, whom you love is sick. When Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. Now, Jesus loved Martha and her sister, Lazarus, loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So we know a couple of things going on here. He's saying this sickness is not unto death. So he's already prophesying what's about to happen. The second thing is he, he confesses to everyone there, all of his disciples, how much he loves them. He said, I love Mary, I love Martha, and I love Lazarus. And so he, so he communicates his great affection for them. And then in verse 6, so when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place that he was at. What? Then after this, he said to the disciples, let us go to Judea again. And the disciples said to him, Rabbi, lately the Jews sought to stone you, and you're going to go there again? And Jesus answered, are there not 12 hours in a day? If anyone walks in the day, he does not stumble because he sees the light of this world. But if he walks in the night, he stumbles because the light is not in him. These things he said, and after that, he said to them, our friend Lazarus sleeps, but I go that I may wake him up. And his disciples said, Lord, if he sleeps, he will get well. However, Jesus spoke of his death, but they thought he was speaking about him taking a rest and sleep. Then Jesus said to them plainly, Lazarus is dead. And I am glad for your sakes that I am not there, that you may believe. Nevertheless, let us go to him. Then Thomas, who is called the twin, said to his fellow disciples, let us also go that we may die with him. Okay, poor Thomas. I mean, really? <laughs> Love that guy. All right, verse 17. So when Jesus came, he found that he had already been in the tomb four days. Now, Bethany was near Jerusalem, about two miles away. And many of the Jews had joined the women around Martha and Mary to comfort them concerning their brother. Then Martha as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. And Mary was sitting in the house. So what does the worker do? 
she hears Jesus is coming, and she immediately gets up and says, I'm going to fix this. I'm going to go, and I'm going to talk to Jesus, and we're going to get this done. I'm going to fix it. Watch this. Now Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. But even now, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. Martha said to him, I know that he will rise again in the resurrection at the last day. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? She said to him, yes, Lord, I believe you You are the Christ, the son of God, who has come into the world. So they have this, they have this doctrinal discussion. They're, 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 he's saying, do you know who I am? Yes, I know who you am. So he loves her. His kindness, he is so kind to her. And they're having, she's having a revelation of the truth of who he is. But yet, he's not moved. So, verse 28, and when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly, secretly calls her sister Mary, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. Now, Jesus isn't calling for her. So what is Martha doing? She's going to fix it. What is she doing? She's taking control. Okay, well, I talked to Jesus. We had this conversation. Nothing happened. Well, I'm going to go get my sister. I'm going to go get my sister. Hey, you've got to go over there. I'm going to have to take control of this situation so much so that I'm, I'm going to tell you something that he didn't even say. So I've now entered into a lie because I need you to come and, and, and work with me to fix it. Martha, Martha. As soon as, she, as soon as Mary heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. Now Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in a place where Martha had met him. So Jesus hasn't even moved. Then the Jews who were with her in the house and comforting her when they saw that Mary rose up quickly and went out, followed her saying, she is going to the tomb to weep there. Then when Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, what did she do? She fell down at his feet. See, that's her home. She didn't fall down on her feet like this is a rare occasion. She fell down at his feet because that's the place that she knows. That's her place of worship. That's her place of love. That's where she has ministered to him, in that place at his feet. Saying to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. She says the very same words as Martha. Therefore, when Jesus saw her weeping, and the Jews came with her weeping, 
he began to groan in his spirit and was troubled. He begins to groan. He begins to feel a pain in his own heart over the sorrow of this woman that has been sitting at her feet. This woman who chose the good part. The woman that held nothing back from him. This woman of wholehearted love, wholehearted affection, wholehearted adoration. And he's groaning within himself. That word groaning means that he had a righteous indignation over what had happened, over what she was sorrowful about. And he said to her, where have you laid him? And they said, Lord, come and see. And again, Jesus wept. And the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also have kept this man from dying? Then Jesus, again, groaning in himself, he came to the tomb. It was a cave and a stone laid against it. And Jesus said, take away the stone. And then he speaks to the cave and he says, Lazarus, come forth. And the dead that day was raised. And the dead was raised not because of works, but the dead was raised because of love. Because Mary had oil. That oil caused the great intercessor to move on her behalf. That connection, that romance, that offensive love, it's so offensive. It's offensive to you. We don't go into the place where we sit at his feet because we don't really trust his love. Because like that stallion, we're not sure what will happen if we let it all go. If we give this unbridled love. What does that mean for my life? What is that going to look like? What's the result going to be? Will I even be able to handle it? But the truth is, that I believe that the Lord is saying, it's time to take off your mask. It's time to take off the shields of self-preservation, managing even your love. Because if you give it away, what's going to happen? What's going to happen to you?
You know, it was really interesting. Somebody told me recently who's had this encounter in love, like gave up everything, surrendered all. He said to me, you know, I used to go in prayer and I would be like Martha in prayer. Even though I'm there with the Lord, I'd still be like, oh, I've got to read this many scriptures. I'm going to be, you know, and I'd have kind of a plan. Instead of just saying, I, I, I just want to know you. You know, I just don't want to do this anymore. The way I'm doing it, it's not working because I'm praying, but I'm not seeing answers to my prayers. And, and, I'm, and I'm tired all the time. And I'm worried all the time. And I'm stressed all the time. And there are things in my life that are stealing from me. And I'm losing my ability to keep it together. And I felt like the Lord is saying to his people in this hour, it, the door is open. You need to come through because there was a time with the virgins where the door was opened for a season and then it was shut. We are in the days of the Lord's return. We are in the generation of the Lord's return. There is a huge invitation going forth. He is removing the grace for you to be Martha. And that's why you're coming to the end of yourselves and you're like, it's not working, it's not working. All I know is I'm so exhausted all the time. I'm trying to do the stuff like Martha. I know the scriptures, I can quote the scriptures. I can, I can go in and I can, I can read five chapters. Man, I, I read five chapters today. But did you have an encounter with love that made you fall on the floor and begin to weep in a puddle with snot hanging out? Jesus did not die for Martha's. He gave it all because he was looking for love. He was looking for a company of people, a people that said, I don't care about anything else. I'm throwing it off. I'm throwing it off. I'm tearing off the mask. And I'm saying, God, have me. Have me in my brokenness. I refuse to be an orphan anymore. I want to be a son. I want to be a daughter. I want to be a bride. I want to be wholly yours. This is who he's looking for. A surrendered, laid down life. You know, in the natural, Martha looked busy, and she looked like she was getting a lot of work done to the praises of the earth. Man, you're doing such a good job. Look how busy you are. Look how productive you are. Look, you get busy. That's really good. And the earth will celebrate you. But Jesus was celebrating Mary, saying she chose the good part. And Mary, through rest and love accessed heaven and raised the dead. And through love and rest, she moved the heart of the king to go do the work for her. Wait a minute. What? So it's getting done in a much better way without as much stress and without as much worry, and she's just sitting there. saying, I love you, I love you, I love you. Angels ascending and descending, angels ascending and descending. Woo! 
I'm getting so oily. Everywhere I go, I'm just spilling on everyone. Oh, that door just opened. Oh, all those people are showing up. Hey, I'm starting to make all this money. The accounts are calling me. What? I'm just sitting here before the Lord. <laughs> now, here's what I don't want you to hear. God didn't say not to work. Don't all of you go quit your jobs going, well, my pastor said I don't have to work. So I'm going to go retire. No, 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 no. Jesus said, come to me, listen to me, I'll help you out. And you just go, steward what I am doing. I'm going to move, you're going to watch me move. And then you go pick up the pieces. And basically, your job description is this. Are you ready? You just go love. You just go love. You love God in prayer. You'll start loving yourself because he's going to tell you how great you are. And then you just love other people. That's all you have to do. And when you spill God's love that he just poured out on you, guess what? They all like you. Some of them. All right, so here's what I want to do. I know there are Marthas in here because I know you. I know where you live and I know what you do. And um, so here's what I want to do. I'm going to ask the Marthas to stand. Okay. Are y'all ready to trust love? Are y'all ready to trust this love? Oh, no, I'm going to need some feedback. Are you ready to stop being the fixer? Mm-hmm. I love what Corey Russell said at IHOP recently. He said, we all want to be... Well, I want to fix it. We're like, God, fix it, fix it, fix it. And he said, no. Feel it, feel it, feel it. Feel it. Let your heart feel. Let your heart feel. The bad, the pain, the sorrow, the sadness, the love, the joy. You were given a heart so that it would be fully alive. Feel it. Mourn if you're in a season of mourning. Cry if you're in a season of crying. Laugh when you're in a season of joy. Feel it. Because if you don't let yourself feel it, you'll never feel his love. Are you ready for a different kind of life? You're not, you better be standing right now because I'm about to pray, you're about to pray something and I'm telling you, there's no going back. You need to, right now, take an inventory of who you are, the way that you, the way that you operate and you have to say, because you're, I'm going to call you to make a vow today before the Lord and to make a commitment of living a different kind of life. You will get more done by letting him do your heavy lifting. 
So repeat after me. Father, forgive me for forsaking my first love. Times of my life. To behold your beauty and inquire upon your temple. Amen. Amen. All right. Hallelujah. Congratulations. Welcome to the other side. It's about to get really wild. I just want to tell you that. You're about to go into the twilight zone with God. It's going to be so incredible. You're going to get hit with beauty and glory and love. And you're going to watch him supernaturally begin to move on your behalf and carry the load that you couldn't carry yourself. Amen? Hallelujah. All right, so I want to tell you next week, we're going to go through this step by step. Step one, intimacy. Step two, step three, step four. I am training you for war. I am training you to to take the ground that God has called us to take in this city. We are not messing around, and by the end of the year, I really expect Dallas to fall into our hands. Amen? All right. Hallelujah. We hope this message was a blessing to you. If you would like to partner with us, you can visit storehousedallas.com forward slash give, or you can send a text message with an amount to 84321. Thank you very much for your contributions.